Well, it's good to see everybody here this morning. It's great to be looking out at all your, your wonderful faces. Um, and uh, we are finishing a series today on Ephesians. So we've been having a wonderful time in Ephesians. Uh, it's always been, for a long time, my favourite part of Scripture. Not that I had a lot to do with choosing the series, but I've really enjoyed the opportunities I've had to preach in it. And uh, so we started out, the first three chapters, we called that looking up. As Paul begins to declare the age-old mystery that had been made known in Jesus Christ, that is salvation. And then in the second two chapters, uh, the um, next two chapters, we called that stepping up. What difference does it make to our lives when we know God and he knows us? And we are saved and called his children. What kind of people are we? How do we live? And then in this final chapter, we've been looking at the armour of God. Paul was writing this, uh, this letter that was addressed to, to the Ephesians, but was meant to be a round letter that would go to all the churches at that time. Because he was in chains in a Roman prison, <coughs> And it's believed that he was executed um, after that imprisonment. He knew that a time of persecution was coming to the early church and he wanted to make sure that they were prepared. So he began to teach here about the uh, armour of God and we've called that suiting up. Suiting up. Have you put your armour on? Do you know what it means? Cam asked the question, are we prepared? Are we prepared? And uh, he suggested that we check with God on the state of our armour. On the state of our armour, he asked that we ask God, what is my belt of truth looking like? Do I really understand this truth? What about the shoes on my feet, the preparation for uh, declaring and living in the gospel of peace? That breastplate of righteousness, not our righteousness, but the righteousness won for us by Jesus. Do we have it on? The shield of faith, the invisible shield of faith. Other people can't see it. The world can't see it. But for us, it quenches the fiery darts of the evil one. And the helmet of salvation that protects our minds, protects our understandings, protects us from the lies of the enemy, that helmet of salvation, knowing who we are in Christ. And finally, that, that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Normally, it lives in the scabbard. But today, we're going to talk about what happens when you bring it out and use it. Peter asked the question, are you expecting a fight? You know... Within our congregation, we have people who have physically lived through fight. They've faced down militias that have fought against their people. And within our congregation, we have young people who are in the army that one day will see warfare. But what fight are we talking about? Peter said, what have you done with your sword, the word of God? What have you done with it? 
Have you been using it and caring for it? Or is it sort of still in a scabbard, put away somewhere where it's getting rusty? So today we look at Paul's teaching about what we do with that armour. How do we fight? How do we fight this spiritual war? He says this at the beginning of that passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Our battle is in the spiritual realm. Our battle is for eternal life. So we will read our passage today, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 to 20. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So how does the Christian fight a spiritual war? We put on our armour, the foundational, most essential beliefs of our faith, and we take up the sword of the Spirit and we pray. Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we experience that in various ways throughout our life, yes? But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. The armor of God and fighting the spiritual battle victoriously is part of the fullness of life that Jesus won for us on the cross. That fullness of life includes love and joy and peace, that relationship with God, the intimacy and privilege that we have as his children. But it also includes fighting the good fight on our behalf and behalf of our family and all other people that we pray for. That's why Paul wanted the church prepared Persecution was coming in a very real sense, but the Christians weren't expected to fight the Roman Empire, but the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Our warfare happens in prayer. Paul says, pray in the spirit, which signals that there is also prayer that does not come just from God's spirit. This is the prayer of relationship. It's the prayer that we all start with when we realize we need God. It's sometimes called soul prayer. And there are a number of these prayers in scripture, and I thought that I would share one of them with you. Um, one that you might like to look up later is Jesus. Jesus prayed a soul prayer out of his own being to God in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you can read what happened there when the Spirit of God spoke to Jesus on that occasion. 
But I'm going to uh, choose this one from King Jehoshaphat's life because it's about a battle. And uh, this is Second Chronicles 20. And again, you can look this up uh, later if you want all the details. I'm mainly going to tell the story for us. So uh, King Jehoshaphat was one of the godly kings of Judah. Praise God for them. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Maonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. This was a serious situation. This was actually three, three armies coming against Judah with their one armour, a vast army. So Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. So he begins with prayer, a prayer of praise, praising God, remembering who God is. He goes on, we have lived in your land and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. So the second thing that he prays out of this relationship that he has with God, this knowledge that he has of God, is the promise that God made to save his people. And then he ends the prayer this way. Our God, will you not judge this army? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Ever prayed that prayer? I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to do. That's a soul prayer. And it is a prayer that God wants to hear and wants to respond to as we entrust ourselves to him. So Jehoshaphat prays that prayer. And then the scripture says, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. What a good word for us today. In, uh, in King Jehoshaphat's time, they decided that what they would do was to put the priests in front of all the soldiers and the priests went out singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That was their battle cry because they were trusting God that this battle was not theirs but God's. And so the army and the priests marched out to the battlefield and what did they find? the entire battlefield was filled with dead soldiers. Those three armies had turned on each other 
and killed each other, the scripture says there was no one left alive. It took three days for the army, instead of fighting, to collect all the booty and bring it back to Jerusalem. The battle was not theirs to fight, but God's. When we're going through trials and the difficulties of life, we too want to know that God hears and that he understands. Unlike Jehoshaphat, we don't have to wait for a prophet to tell us what God is saying. We can listen for ourselves. It's an important part of that loving relationship that we have with God. We are all filled with the Spirit of God, whether we recognize it or not, whether we listen to the Spirit or not. For the moment that we say yes to God, salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Even faith is a gift. All we were required to do is understand that we are sinners and that we do need a saviour. And when we say yes to God, Jesus comes to us. That all those things that are the armour, truth, righteousness, salvation, all of those things come as a gift to us. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us. So the key to praying in the Spirit is listening to God speak to us. Sometimes uh, with words in our mind, often just with a feeling or a sense of God's will, sometimes with the specific word of God. We don't have to be in trouble to pray these soul prayers or relationship prayers. You may have experienced good fortune or success or achieved a goal. How appropriate then to say, thank you God for this gift. Every good thing that is in our life comes by the grace of God. He enables us. You may hear as you listen and, and thank God, you may hear God affirm his love for you as his child. You may hear a nudge towards the next project. You may he hear him tell of a way that you can share your good fortune with others. Sometimes we're tempted to share about our lives with other people and leave God out of it. Everybody has other people around them that are important for companionship, support and encouragement. Jehoshaphat had Jehoshaphat who gave him the counsel of God. But that was before Jesus' salvation and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Now, God is within us by his Spirit. So, we mustn't rely on people as though they are God. Only our Heavenly Father is faithful. Only he never slumbers or sleeps. Only Jesus watches over us and prays for us says that he is at the right hand of God the Father interceding for the saints. The old hymn says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. The one person in the whole world we can tell anything to because he already knows it. He knows all our secret fears and all of those to anybody else. He knows all of those things. And he loves to hear our voice. So when we listen to God's spirit, we will often hear the word of God specific for our particular situation. Jesus taught us the general will of God in the prayer that he taught us, the Lord's Prayer, sometimes called the Our Father. Um, we might say that together. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To you be the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a beautiful prayer. And it's a prayer that actually strikes at the heart of everything that goes on in our life. So let's have a look at this. Jesus taught us so that anything that comes up in our life, we will know the general will of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God's general will is that everyone would be saved and reconciled to God's and have the respect and obedience that comes from knowing he is a holy God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. When we pray for anything, the general will of God is revealed here that as it is in heaven, God wants it to be on earth. Your kingdom come. God wants everything that we do as human beings to further that kingdom, that kingdom of heaven, that kingdom of God, the kingdom where Jesus reigns. But there is God's general will and then there is his specific will because we live between the now and the not yet. God's one day going to abolish sin, going to abolish death, going to abolish disease, but not yet. These things are still with us. But we know from this that God's general will is for healing. And so when someone's sick, we pray for healing. I have on occasion prayed for people who have known instant healing and some who've woken in the morning feeling better. That's wonderful encouragement to pray for healing. God wants to heal us. But sometimes people are only healed after persevering prayer. And sometimes fasting might be required. And sometimes people aren't healed. But usually even when we pray for those who are not healed, the prayer and the love that is expressed through that strengthens and encourages them. I persevered in prayer for my father through the seven years of his cancer journey, but he died at the age of 49. What I do believe is that all the prayer that was lifted for him during that time led him to seeking Jesus in a new way. Before he got sick, he said, yes, Jesus is a prophet and all his teaching about love is a good way to live. That's how he knew Jesus. During his sickness, though, he sought Jesus and found him as his saviour, his personal saviour. I do have one story of spiritual warfare healing. In 2006, I was just going about my ordinary day when the Lord spoke to me and showed me two angels and in between the two angels was an evil spirit that they were guarding and God said to me this spirit has asked to test you now I was a bit overwhelmed I can tell you but I recalled that Jesus had said something very similar to Peter and that actually the scripture talks about tests and trials and so I said oh, well okay God 
um, I know that you and I together can go through anything, right? <laughs> that was the end of that. But several months later, my husband was diagnosed with cancer, a quite serious cancer. A cancer in which the prognosis was you need to go through chemo and radiotherapy and have a really big operation that took all day. Um, and then you'll have a 50-50 chance of being alive in five years. So a serious diagnosis. But what I knew was that God had warned me. Not, not every disease and sickness is caused by an evil spirit, but I believe in this case that that was what God did. He warned me that a spirit of cancer was going to come. I didn't know that at the time, but that's what made sense. And as I prayed with my prayer group, they agreed. And great prayer from this church and other churches, beautiful love and, and uh, good wishes from everybody got poured out on John. We fought in prayer for his healing and for his life. And praise God, he's still alive. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was 13 years ago, that operation. And every so often, when he comes to a check, every 12 months, and it comes back clear, a doctor will say, so how come you're still alive? <laughs> True. <laughs> I know why he's still alive. And I'm so grateful to the mercy of God in this instance. But what I would say to you is, don't stop praying for your miracle. Don't stop praying. Persevere. Believing that God has shown his general will and that he will speak to you his specific will. As you hear his specific will, that's when you have words, the word of God to use as the um, sword of the spirit in that, that situation. Well, Jesus also taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. That is the promise of God, that he will fill our needs, provide for us. That is the promise of God. Not our wants, but our needs. He taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Now, this is an area where the enemy will come in. He will say to you, you're not worth being forgiven. Look at you, you keep doing the same thing, you're not dealing with it. How can you think that God stay patient with you? Don't you think he's getting tired of you? These sorts of things are the words of the enemy coming into our mind. We need to make sure we've got that helmet of salvation on our head and take captive the, every thought that comes into our mind and make it obedient to Jesus, to Jesus. On the cross, while he was hanging there, he said, it is finished. The work that brings us forgiveness for our sins was finished upon the cross. That's the truth that we answer the lies of the enemy with. And yes, we will sin and fail, unfortunately. <laughs> but the scripture's got that covered too. If you confess your sin, God is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. 
1 John 1 verse 9. It's a scripture that I live by. I know that when I fail in a particular area, I can always go straight to God and confess it and have help <laughs> and have help that cleanses me from my unrighteousness by his spirit. So having known forgiveness, we then can give forgiveness to others. How many family feuds do you know where two people are not prepared <laughs> to say, sorry, I forgive you? And they can go on for generations sometimes. How good it is that we know the forgiveness of God and we can then forgive others as the offences and the hurts come as they will. And finally, Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the devil, the evil one, is going to try and lead us into temptation. But God's will is to deliver us. So what do we do when temptation comes in? This is a time to have your sword ready, the word of God. What word of God will you quote? So for example, if I'm tempted to despair, you know, maybe my immunity is low, there's lots of stress and worry out in the community, and I just can't handle it anymore. What do I do? If I go to God, I say, Lord, I know that you will rescue me. You will deliver me. And he might give me a scripture like, um, take the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so I put on my worship music and I concentrate on that. Let it wash over me. Bless me as worship blessed us this morning. And the spirit of heaviness will lift. There's another scripture that's really good. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to people? And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. A good scripture to know, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And so when the temptation gets heavy, perhaps in that same situation, I'm in despair. I really just can't cope looking at people. I, I need to sneak away and just be by myself and I think maybe I'll um, I'll take a few bottles of wine with me and just you know like just let it all go that's a temptation that's common that's a temptation that's very common in our society let's just blot it all out we won't deal with it we'll just forget it but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He will provide a way out. Or in Jesus' words, he will deliver you from evil. So you pray and the word of God, the spirit of God says, go and visit so-and-so or go and ring that person who will encourage you or get up early for church and go in the morning it'll be worth it 
Whatever it is, God will provide the way out. Why? Because he delivers us from the evil one. So we take up our shield of faith to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy and we pray, asking God for the way out of our temptation. The word of God, the spirit uh, of God enables us to pray the will of God into a situation. So beyond our personal protection and salvation, we are called to pray for others. Paul asks the Ephesians, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We're called to pray for everyone who is in need, anyone who comes to our mind or to our heart or into our particular circle and we know about their trouble. We're called to pray for everyone in the spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul in chains, he asks for the one thing that might be hardest in that situation, to do fearlessly. In this whole book of Ephesians, the whole letter of Ephesians, has been explaining the mystery of the gospel. For many, many people that you meet, most people probably, they don't understand what the mystery of the gospel is. But we know Jesus. We won't have all the answers, but we know that we're a child of God. So this prayer to fearlessly declare the gospel, that applies to us too. People so need hope, security and truth for their lives today, don't they? in a time that is so uncertain, that changes every week. We can thank God for the blessing of being here in South Australia where we have mostly been very safe. But uh, COVID is with us for a while. We may need to be, <laughs> Monday night, every Monday night when we meet for prayer, you can believe that about half the prayer meeting is praying for the world praying for our need and we are called to do the same don't think that your prayers don't matter the moment you pray the word that you've received from God in that situation it's like pulling out a sharp double-edged sword and putting to death whatever is coming against God's will in that situation every time we pray Every time we pray, we can be doing that, fighting that spiritual war that is against us. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross for that to be the end. He rose three days later to, to demonstrate that he was the son of God, that he is the son of God. And that he is victorious over evil and death and every other thing that comes against us. So, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we are not defenceless. You won a wonderful victory for us upon the cross, you proved it by the resurrection.
Thank you for wonderful teachers like Paul who laid down the basics of our faith in such a good way. Let us today re-examine our armour, the belt of truth, feet shod and prepared with the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, not our righteousness but the righteousness of Christ, one for us in his sacrifice. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Holy One, we give ourselves to you again. We belong to you. And we pray, O oh Lord God, to be victorious in the battles of life, in all the battles of life so that we can demonstrate the truth. The enemy may come in, but Jesus Christ has given us life in all its fullness. I pray, O oh Lord God, for your strength, and your revelation, and your wonderful life-giving spirit upon us today, that we can go out and live that full life that Jesus has for us, and that many, many people will see the truth. Jesus is Lord. Amen.